Our New Testament lesson comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now it was giving along now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a verse, voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and, through his, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus called Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Taurus called Saul. At this moment he, he is praying, and he, is, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained, he regained his strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? From cowardice that dares not face new truth, from laziness content with half-truth, from arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, good Lord, deliver us. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. This is a great day for us to remember and to celebrate our mothers, uh, all those who have been like a mother to us. Uh, on this day, I always offer a special prayer of thanks for a woman in my life. Her name was Ruth. Uh, I called her Nanny. She was not related to me in any way, and yet she was like a second mother, a grandmother to me, nurturing and loving and kind all of my life uh, until she died, and I give thanks for her. I give thanks today for the women of this church who have been like extra mothers to my children and to all of our children, grandmothers to them. Thank you. Thank you. A philosopher once said that a mother's love is peace. A mother's love is peace. 
I uh, kind of got a sense of how that might work this week. I was in a conversation with a mother from uh, this congregation, and she was telling me about a dinner that they had had at their family dinner table one night. And she said, well, one of my children was acting inappropriately, and so I stopped and said to them, hey, do we need to have a conversation right here and right now about the consequences and the punishment that's going to come if you keep behaving this way? To which the other sibling sat up and slightly said, yes, let's do talk about punishment. And the mother looked at the other sibling and said, why do you take so much delight in your sister getting into trouble? I did a little digging this week, and would you believe the Germans have a word for this? Uh, of course they do. They're German. Uh, okay, see, it must be a really heavily German crowd. Nobody laughed at 8.30. You didn't laugh. Okay. They have a word for it. It's called schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. It literally comes from a word that means harm and a word that means joy. It literally means finding joy in the misfortune of others. Schadenfreude. Uh, Bill Fangman from the early service texted me or told me after the service at 8.30 that there's this musical, Avenue Q. Have you heard of this musical? And they sing a song called Schadenfreude. And here's, I can't share some of the lyrics. I'd get fired immediately. But here's just a few of them. Don't you feel warm and cozy watching people in the rain? That's schadenfreude, people taking pleasure in your pain. Schadenfreude. See how many times I can work that word into the sermon this morning. It's not just something that siblings do. It's not just something that children do. We all do it. Sometimes it's relatively innocuous. Anybody ever watched America's Funniest Home Videos? You've watched this before? And you, you just die laughing. It brings great joy to see people like fall on their face or do something really dumb and they get hurt and we laugh and schadenfreude, schadenfreude. How about in sports, right? I, I understand that they study this and they find that some sports fans actually get as much pleasure seeing their rival team lose as their own team winning. I could never relate to that at all. <laughs> Go Devils, yeah. There are moments when it gets uh, infused with a bit of morality, right? Because we see the downfall of a corrupt entertainer or a corrupt politician, and it feels kind of good. It feels nice to see them get what they deserve. Sometimes it's a little less innocuous, rooted in a jealousy or envy deep within us. I read about this British writer, and this is what she said. She said, when my brother took his kids on a fabulous summer vacation to Disney World, remember they're in England, so they fly to America. When my brother took his kids on a fabulous summer vacation to Disney World, I felt bad because I never take my kids anywhere since it's too much effort and way too expensive. And then I saw on Facebook that it rained the whole time. Schadenfreude. The New York Times suggested recently that we live in the golden age of schadenfreude. A psychologist observed that while it's usually harmless, it can sometimes motivate the misfortune and even the harm that we sometimes delight in. And that brings us to Saul. 
a known religious authority. He had studied under the great rabbi Gamaliel. There were high expectations for Saul and how he was going to succeed, be the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was so passionate about his beliefs. He finds great success uh, pretty quickly just by persecuting Christians. He doesn't have to prove anything except just persecute the Christians and people are with him. Reminds me of this line uh, that the Wizard of Oz says in the musical Wicked. The best way to bring people together is to give them someone to hate. The best way to bring people together is to give them someone to hate. Saul has figured that out. He is present, the book of Acts tells us, when Stephen, who is the first person to die for Jesus, is martyred. Now, we find that Saul is not actually party to the crime, but he is holding the coats while the others stone him. And Acts makes a point to tell us that Saul approved. And now he's on his way to Damascus to castigate and condemn, arrest, apprehend, and abuse in any way possible any Christian he can find there. This is the trip of a lifetime for Saul, his heart full of schadenfreude, schadenfreude. Now, to get things started, Saul needs some support. And so he goes to the religious leaders <clears throat> seeking their approval of his mission. I will tell you that this happens to me from time to time as a pastor. People come to me with an agenda or uh, something they want to see accomplished and they want to enlist my support in their efforts. Uh, I remember the first church I ever served. Uh, this guy came in one day and he sat down and said, you need to preach more sermons about lying and stealing. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, obviously you don't know your congregation as well as I do. We had a visitor here a couple years ago, and um, I, they'd been here for a few weeks, and then uh, made an appointment to see me, and they said, I noticed you haven't preached any sermons on, like, the, the big issues of the day. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, like, homosexuality. And they said, well, what, I said, what do you want me to say? And their response was, well, I want you to condemn them to hell, because that's where they're going. And um, I said, well, I hate to break it to you, but as long as I'm the preacher, you'll never hear a sermon like that from me. And we talked for a bit. I tried, I quoted the Pope, but it didn't get me anywhere. The whole conversation ended. He said, you're not much of a preacher at all. And I said, well, I can't argue with you about that. Um, what's going on with these kinds of conversations, right? You need to condemn. You need to tell. Like, what is that all about? I, I, I ran across this quote that I think just sums it up well. I know I have forgotten grace when your sin bothers me more than my own. I have forgotten grace when your sin bothers me more than my own. That's Saul. He doesn't know grace. Like what happens when you are forgiven by the risen Jesus? But then he's on his way to Damascus and the risen Jesus meets him and he sees this light and he is blinded. Which brings us to Ananias. Ananias is a devout Christian living in Damascus. He has no doubt heard of Saul, knows Saul, is deeply fearful of Saul. How could he not be? And Jesus comes to him in a vision and says, hey, you go heal him, help him, and welcome him into the family of God. 
Now, friends, if there was anybody who deserved to uh, enjoy a little bit of schadenfreude, it would be Ananias. He might be a little justified in his schadenfreude, right? Saul's blind? Well, he deserved it, persecuting us the way he did. But what does Ananias do? He's surprised. No doubt he is utterly surprised. But he obeys and he goes. This is amazing. Like God, who has raised Jesus from the dead, just loves to surprise us by converting and claiming and commandeering the lives of people we would never expect. Ananias is like, wait, wait, Saul, you, you want me to go and find him and heal him? He's trying to kill us. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've gotten to him. And like, I've defeated death. Don't you forget, I came out of that tomb. And don't you dare think I can't get to Saul. So you go and help him. It's hard to say if Saul would have become Paul if there hadn't been an Ananias. And there are some who would suggest it's hard to say if you and I would be sitting here today as Gentile Christians without Paul. Which means, in effect, it's hard to say if we would be here except for Ananias, who was willing to be surprised by God's grace and extend it even to his worst enemy. Not only that, willing to go and offer it from the depths of his own heart and life. Usually we hear this story make a big deal about the risen Jesus appearing to Saul, but the risen Jesus also came to Ananias and says, you go. And Ananias, Ananias obeys because he loves Jesus. There are huge questions before us as the United Methodist denomination if you followed the news, you've probably been reading about it. The question is like, can we stay together even if we don't agree about everything? Uh, I've got some slides here to show you. If we'll go to the next slide. Right, that's the question. Can we stay together? And there's one assumption to the next slide that suggests like the key is like to just, if we just get to know each other and understand everyone's different perspectives and, and where we're coming from, and if we try to love each other, then that'll be okay. And maybe that's true, and I don't want to discount it, but I also know that the forces and the pressures out there in the world that are dragging us, tugging us towards tribalism, and like, let's just get off and be with the people who are just like we are, those forces are so strong. So very strong. So maybe there has to be more than that. The better answer may be to the next slide, right? If we love Jesus more and more. If we strive to get closer and closer to Jesus. If we strive to be more and more like him, what happens at the end of the day? We're all moving closer to Jesus. And next slide. We are all closer together. Friends, that's my vision for First United Methodist Church of Belmont. Not that we'll be known as uh, that liberal church down on South Point Road or that conservative church down on South Point Road. No, I want us to be known as a church that, hey, 
They obviously loved Jesus because the only way he'd be down there worshiping with her and she'd be down there worshiping with him is if Jesus Christ is alive and has been raised from the dead. Like, who's your Ananias? Who's that unexpected person who showed you mercy so that you knew that the mercy of God was real? And who's your Saul? Who needs a sign of forgiveness, of love, in spite of your disagreement, your difference? Well, the only way to find them, the only way to know them, is through Jesus. It's Mother's Day. I think about something Jesus said in the last days of his life. He was standing, looking out over the city of Jerusalem, and he began to weep. And he looked at this city that he loved, and he wept, and he cried, and he said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how I have longed to draw you near to myself the way a mother hen draws her chicks under her wing. That's the surprise of God, friends. Jesus is alive, raised, and he draws us near, each of us closer and closer to him, closer to him, and whether we like it or not, closer and closer to each other. You may not believe this, because I'm a pastor, <laughs> but I have plenty of people that I love to criticize and judge and complain about. The good news is that the risen Jesus, like that mother hen, draws them close even as he draws me. That's grace, real grace. Surprise me. 